Hi everyone, welcome to episode 33. This is part two of a podcast series on cultivating your creative practice. Today we're talking about what happens in the studio. We're looking at strategies for how you make your art and set up your studio sessions and what goes into a healthy and sustainable creative practice. It's a rainy day today. Yeah, we've it's got, great. We've I love got, the rain. We've got all sorts of outside noises going on. We've got rain and I think we've also got someone trying to mow their lawn in the rain. Yeah, well, good luck to him. <laughs> Maybe that will stop now. <laughs> <laughs> right, so this week we are continuing the conversation from last week. Yeah, we're following on from last week where we spoke about good studio practices outside the studio. That's right. So last week was all about what you can do outside of your studio, the research that you can undertake, field trips, conversations, the journaling, the photography, all of that good stuff. This week we're heading into the studio to talk about what you actually do when you sit down to make art. Where the magic happens. Where the magic happens. So how did this all come about? Not that long ago... I did, we did, I shouldn't really take the credit, you did. <laughs> you helped me. I to, give up. <laughs> you give up. You helped me to, I won't say tidy because you get upset when I say that, but to renovate and completely reorganise my studio space. Honestly, I cannot get over the change in you and the way you approach your art. Yes. In the studio. Yeah. Now, it's forget, been a ga- about, forget about the painting of the walls and the cleaning. For, yeah. Forget all of that. This table has been a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, I did, we did do a studio tour and an episode on organizing the studio. That's episode number 30. So you can go check that out because we're not actually going to talk about the sort of space side of things in this episode. We're going to talk more about the actual practice, but... If you wanted to find out about what we did and about this table that we're talking about and how I've positioned it or you positioned it so that we have room to move and it's creating a whole different vibe in the studio, go and check that episode. And there's also a video where you can see a tour of the studio. Now that's out of the way. Now that's out of the way. Uh, We'll talk about what what I actually do in the space and what's helping me to create the art that I want to create, feel the way that I want to feel. So I wrote this, I wrote this note down and I'm going to read it out because I think it's, I think it's a really good way of, of approaching this. What you want to do is create a way of working that supports your enjoyment of the process of art making. It's really important that you enjoy the process. It's about how you feel when you're making art. And that's the thing that I've really noticed since we made the changes in the studio is how I feel when I'm working. And so I think what it's a good idea is to ask yourself, how do you want to feel? What do you want to see? What do you want to smell? Like really get into engaging your senses. I didn't realize that I'd created a barrier to my work in the way that I had set up the space and just the vibes that I'd, that I'd attached to the studio yeah. weren't helping me. So what I did was I started to think about what would an ideal studio practice be? What would it look like? What would it feel like? What would it smell like? Like really getting yeah. into the details of what this, what studio, pra- what, imagining 
an ideal studio day. I started thinking about what would that be and what would it involve and realizing that I have I have the ability to create that, that I that I can make my studio practice my studio practice. It's mine. I can I can set it up however I want it. And that was actually quite enlightening for me. Wait, what were you thinking before? I don't know. I think I was letting things like I wasn't taking responsibility for my creative practice. I was making excuses. I didn't realize that the way I work is up to me. That if I if I enjoy working in a clean space, for example, which I do. I am one of those people that feels much happier with open space and things where they should be. <laughs> that's the way I that's the way I work. Well, it's up to me then to have a practice where I lay out my materials before I start. At the end of the session, I pack up my space. That's up to me. If that's what works for me, then I'm in control. And so I realized that I can make changes to support the practice that I want. So if I like listening to music, why don't I create a few playlists? So I started making changes to give me this studio time that I really enjoy, that makes me want to be in the studio. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. So one of the things that helped me to get into a creative zone, and a lot of it is to do with kind of clearing my mind and getting rid of outside distractions. It's just such a lovely space to be. It's almost meditative in a way. So the things that I like to do are, I always make myself a cup of tea. I usually will put on some kind of essential oil burn that in the background. I used to light candles, now I don't. And I've also started using some oil paint, which is flammable, (laughs) solvents and things like that. So you don't really want a paper towel that's got a... Anyway, safety first. Yes. Safety first. So I'm using the oil diffuser at the moment. So I will choose my playlist and that varies quite a bit. Sometimes I'll have something upbeat. Other times I'll just listen to something that's very relaxing and just sort of in the background. So it depends on what I'm doing as to what kind of music I listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I listen to podcasts. When you're painting? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, I, I prefer know. music, but, and I'm trying to listen to podcasts more when I do chores to motivate me to do chores. Yeah, well, when I'm doing chores, I listen to podcasts yeah. because you can actually listen to them. Yes. But if I'm doing anything that requires brain power, yeah. I can process a podcast. If I'm doing something that's quite repetitive or more of a preparation of work, then podcasts are fine. But when I'm really in the flow of painting, particularly when I'm painting big canvases and abstract pieces, then often I'll be listening to a podcast and then about halfway through, I'll feel like I don't have the energy that I want for the canvas and then I'll change over to music. So I'll feel like, oh, no, I need need music for this. So yeah, I make all these choices around what I want my environment to be like. And I also pay attention to the light in my studio. I often choose to be in my studio at the times when the light in here is quite special because mm. it, it's really beautiful in the mornings and sort of the early evenings. So I, I pay attention to those sorts of things. I try and have a bit of quiet time before I start. I usually think of ways in which I can warm up. So once I've prepared the space, I look at my entry point into making art and how I can pave the way or ease the way in. And I have a few different ways that I do that. Sometimes I'll just do a simple watercolour or ink painting. So something that's fairly quick, it might only be one or two colours. 
that actually was something I did yesterday and it my warm-up turned out to be my whole day. <laughs> <laughs> they were lovely pieces, by the way. Because instead of it just being a quick watercolour painting, I ended up uh, adding texture, adding acrylic, oil paint, mark making, but they're the best paintings. The ones that start from that place of, oh, I'm just going to have a little play, five minutes, and then next of all, you're just on the road. What are you going to do with this? By the way, I'm holding them in my hands. <laughs> These paintings that I created yesterday. Yeah. I don't know. I love them, but I I haven't thought about what I'm going to do with them yet. Just, they, they inspire me. Yeah, stick them in a frame, I reckon. Yeah. So you might want to think about different ways that you could warm up. Another way that I quite often start is with writing. So I'll do some journaling. You could do some drawing, some quick sketches. Painting swatches is another one. So sometimes I just like the gentleness of doing a really quick little swatch of colours, just seeing how they play together. You've got hundreds of those. I know. That's another one of my favourite little warm-up exercises is just swatching. I just find it relaxing and it helps me to find a colour combination that I connect with and then I'll usually work with that set of colours for the day. So I often swatch my way to a start. (laughs) And another thing sometimes I'll do is preparing surfaces So that could be just layers of gesso or something like that. Just something really easy. I think the emphasis on the creative warm-up for me is just to start. It's a way of starting because once you get started, just like what happened with me yesterday, things flow from that. You get ideas. It's often the starting that's the hardest part. If you don't have some kind of entry point, you might find that you're just gazing out the window or thinking about your to-do list for the day or suddenly you realise you've got to put washing on. Or But if you have something that's almost meditative in quality, it helps you to get out of your head in a way and, yeah. and get and get it away from those daily distractions. And that's really where the magic happens. If I have something that I do want to work on, um, so it could be something I'm trying to complete because I do have other, I guess, deadlines and things that I have to do. Not every part of my practice can be just this lovely, playful exploration. There are things that I'm trying to finish too. And so what I'll often do is put that up on the wall or have it near me while I'm doing the warm up and playing and in the hope that one will inspire the other. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. Say for example, like yesterday, I had the goal of working on a larger canvas. I ended up spending about 80% of the day on my warm up, but I did hit my canvas at the end of the day and the warm up work that I did had a really positive impact on helping me find the direction for the canvas. There's always that flexibility in your practice. So while you have routines and rhythms with any kind of creative process, there's always going to be areas where you adapt. So like I mentioned before, in my studio practice, I often have work that I kind of need to do. And then I have work that is very playful. There's a lot of freedom with it. There's exploration. And that work is really important, but I I have a balance of both. In the work where I'm exploring, what I'm trying to do is to continually challenge myself. I want to improve all the time. I want to further my skills and abilities. And this is very important in your practice that you are giving yourself creative challenges. It also keeps it interesting and exciting and, and keeps you keeps you going over the long term. 
the types of things that you might want to try are working with a new media. So trying out a material that you haven't used before. So just in the last week or two, I have been using oil paints, which I have never used before. I also experimented with some fiber paste. So just trying different things. I'm also working with using watercolors and fluid mediums on wooden panel, whereas most of my work has been on watercolor paper. That kind of work is scientific sort of like lab (laughs) type feel with that kind of work. Yeah, I love that. I love that kind of like, what if I put this onto this or if I combine this material with that sort of stuff, like the what if questions. A good studio practice always has an element of that. I remember when you got, um, when you first got the oil pastels. Yeah. And I think about four or five days in, you're like, no, not using them, not using them ever again. (laughs) Now they are in every single piece of work you do. (laughs) Yes, that was the oil stick. So that was the very first sort of foray into using oil paint. And the first, oh, this was around, I think it was before Christmas. It was a few weeks and I made some really (laughs) ugly work. I And I said to you, oh, I just... I don't know about these oil sticks. I don't know how to use them. Everything's just getting too muddy and oh, I had a breakthrough and now I love them. Yeah. So yeah, it is very, very important Mm. to have creative challenges. Yes. Another thing that I value in my practice is having a few different things that I work on. So more than a few. (laughs) What are you laughing at my face? (laughs) (laughs) A few different things. Okay. I think, I don't know, I like I like following my mood or, or what it is that I want to work on. I feel like they all kind of, they intersect with each other, but I work on canvas, I work on paper. I always have more than one series going on at any time. And while you don't want to have loads and loads, having... But you have loads and I loads. don't have loads and loads. I just have quite a few bodies of work. <laughs> okay. 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 So there's a difference between loads and loads and more than a few. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that it helps me with is it, it prevents me getting obsessed over one thing and it helps me to not overwork things so much. It's just, I often talk about that I dance between things and it really does feel like a dance. Today I feel like doing something delicate and light. Okay, I'm going to go back into the series that I'm working on in watercolour or the neutral series and then another day and I feel like something more textural and rich. I'm going to work on my um, nature inspired acrylic work the work that I did for abstract adventuring class so if you feel yourself coming to a dead end you can just switch out to a completely different piece that's right go in a different direction yeah that's what I do when I'm when I get stuck on something it helps me to walk away from things so if my canvas work isn't going so well which is quite often the case for me I seem to have a lot more ease in my uh, more fluid mediums like the watercolour and ink work that I do comes a little bit more naturally to me, yeah. but I enjoy the challenge. It comes back to the challenge side of things. So I, I still crave the, the more challenging side of working with acrylics and oils. and yeah. Having a couple of things on the go is proven to work. Yeah, it diversifies your practice. And sometimes you feel like doing really detailed 
repetitive work. Sometimes you want to do something big and expressive. And this way you can follow those urges, those creative urges. You've got different things that you can tap into depending on how you feel on that particular day. And that's what I do. Another advantage of having a few different bodies of work is it just reduces the pressure. Like if you are pouring all your energy into one painting or one type of work or one series, that's an awful lot of pressure on that work. Well, considering at some stage you are going to hit a wall. Yeah, guaranteed. and where are you going to go if you yeah. don't have something else to pick up? So that's why that's why I love I love the dance between a few different things. Well, that's a lot of work to do to just get ready to paint. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for whatever reason, let's say you're painting on your kitchen table, you've got the kids off to school and you've got a two and a half hour window to paint. You know, you're not really going to have all that time to do the warm up, to do all that. Like, it, or are you? Well, that's true. You need to adapt to whatever time that you have. Now, I often get into the studio for two to three hour blocks of time. And so my practice suits that. For someone that doesn't have as much time and might only be getting into the studio for 15 minutes, 30 minutes here and there, then it comes back to what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast episode. You get to create the practice that works for you. I actually think that having less time can be beneficial, that having a limit can push you creatively in a good way. So you might need to think about what could I do in 15 minutes a day? And your, your entry point might be very simple. It might be I get out my supplies and I put my playlist on and then I start. But I still think you can get quite a bit done in 30 minutes to an hour. For me, I, I definitely like to have... I probably do. I probably would say I do like to have at least an hour when I when I paint. Mm. Somewhere between one to three hours is optimum for me. Yeah. Yeah. So when you are thinking about your studio practice, one of the important things to consider is how often are you going to make art and what is going to fit in around your life and, and your your set of circumstances. And this is going to be different for everyone. I am a full-time artist, which means that I can spend longer blocks in the studio because it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you say full-time artist. That, that almost sounds like you paint full-time. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a funny term, isn't it? I'm certainly not really a full-time artist. Um, not even close. I'm not even close. And I say that because I'm also a mum and I spend a lot of time looking after the kids. So I don't even work like full-time mm-hmm. hours. Um, looking, Yeah, looking after the home. And so much of my work is outside of the studio, which is, is something that I've had to, I guess, get used to because there's a lot of marketing, there's a lot of teaching, organizing things, social media, all that sort of stuff. When I started thinking about this ideal practice, I asked myself the question of how much time do I need to make art? What would feel good? What would make me happy? And started to think about getting back to a more regular practice, but also one that still is flexible and adaptable so that I can do all the other things in my business. So for me right now, it's not 
realistic. It's not, it's not even what I want. Like I'm not aiming to make art every day. I think it's great if you can. And I did go through periods where I made art almost every day. But now I'm thinking more along the lines of doing something towards my practice every day, but it doesn't always have to be making art. So sometimes it can be the stuff that we talked about in last week's podcast. So some days it's reading an article, writing something in a journal, saving an image somewhere. Going out taking photographs. Going out taking photographs. But it is a good idea to try and set yourself some studio times, particularly if you are a professional artist. You do need to start thinking about it like a job. Oh, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So you do need to think about when am I going to get in my studio? How long am I going to be there for? You need to... Maybe we should stop saying full-time and start using the word professional. Yes, I I don't know why we say full-time. But yes, if you're a professional artist, you've got to treat your art making as a job and you've got to show up. It's very important to continuously show up and even turn up when you don't feel like making art, come into the studio, sit down, go through your sort of opening ritual and just see what happens. Like allow a certain amount of time before you abandon. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, make yourself sit down for 30 minutes and do something. And if you're still not feeling it, then let it go, you know, go in and do something else and work on some other aspect of your business. But having discipline and routine is, it's just, it's necessary. Yeah. You won't survive without Yeah, You won't. And I think we often have a very romantic view of being an artist and it being very kind of, oh, when the, you know, whenever the. Well, you're romanticizing doing something that you love. Yeah. Just assume there's no hard work. Yeah. But it's very hard work. Yes. I look at my plan for, for the week or the month and I block in times, studio times, and I'm quite assertive about it with you. We, we actually battle over it a bit, don't we? But I am quite protective of my creative time, aren't I? And when we run this business, there are competing demands. So you, you will come to me saying, we need to get this class finished. We need to record a podcast, all that sort of stuff. And sometimes I'll say, no, (laughs) because I, because I need to get into my studio and I am protective of my studio practice. So what I'm saying is figure out what kind of studio practice or what what kind of studio times are going to work for you, what's realistic considering your circumstances, and then schedule them in as best you can. Allow a bit of flexibility, but do have some, some working hours and decide when you're going to do that and how long per day, how what days of the week. Absolutely. And protect th- that time as best you can. Now, if you don't have a lot of time... One of my suggestions is to really simplify what you do in a session. And it's actually something that I'm working on anyway, is having studio sessions where instead of doing all sorts of bits and pieces, I'm quite focused on one thing. So it could be if I only have a short amount of time, I might decide that I'm just going to paint one layer on a big painting and I'm just going to use one one colour and block in some areas. Or I might decide that I'm going to do some watercolour paintings exploring one simple shape. I enjoy having that kind of singular focus when I work. 
I didn't used to though. I used to be very all over the place and and do all sorts of different things. But in order to make the most of my time, so I don't have so much mess to clean up and there's, there's all sorts of sides to it. But I really enjoy just keeping it simple. And that way I make more art because it doesn't become this huge thing in my head, which it can do. So you know, you, if you if you have a very complicated process, then sometimes that can be a barrier in the sense that every time you're going into the studio, if you've got to get all these different things out and you've got to, do you know what I mean? I know exactly what yeah. you mean. Yeah. yeah. So where, whereas if you can simplify and go, you know what, I'm just going to go into the studio and I'm going to pick up one supply. I'm just going to do a layer with oil pastel. It makes it easy. You can break down your process, like chunk it down into parts. And I've learned a lot of this through teaching online classes, because when I put together a class, I break down the steps of my process. And now what I tend to do is go into the studio and just work on one step. And so that might be painting base layers, or it might be mark making, but I've got more of a singular focus. And at the same time, I quite often batch. So instead of doing all sorts of different things, I'll just do one thing, but I might do it on six surfaces. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I might paint the base layer of six paintings because once I've got that base color out, I may as well do a few more. Uh, So sometimes I work in that way. So you're batching almost. Yeah. So sometimes I do a bit of batching and single focus sessions. Let's call it that sort of a singular focus in a session. That's just a strategy. That's a strategy that you can employ. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is something that I've had a lot of trouble with. (laughs) And that is accepting all of your work, the good work, the bad work, the ugly work, the work that makes you grumpy, that it's all work. It's all yours. A good studio practice has it all, but it's really hard to accept that. Our, our desire to, I guess, create things that are pretty, that get approval, that people like, it's so strong that we can feel very frustrated at the end of a day with art that we're not happy with. Imagine how frustrated we are when you're not happy with your <laughs> art. So this one is almost a conversation with myself that I'm trying to become more accepting of all aspects of my practice and placing, I guess, a value and an appreciation on all the work that I do and counting all the work as important. It all ends up shaping the pieces that I make that I am happy with in the end. Every bit of work that I do, whether it's good, bad or ugly. Yeah, you just spoke about the oil pastels, you know, how they just didn't work. Every breakthrough that I've ever had has come off the back of work that is ugly and disappoints me at the time. So now it's about mindset and it's about, for me anyway, it's trying to, on those days, when it happens that I create the work and I think, oh, this is rubbish, this is going nowhere. It's telling myself this is all part of the journey. This is teaching me something at the moment. It's teaching me what not to do, but it's still teaching me. The more I can embrace that idea and get rid of the concept of failure, the better my studio practice will be. I know that deep inside myself. Having a positive attitude to it all. Yeah, which is hard. Which is hard. 
those days when you paint something and you feel like you've even gone backwards. Failure sucks. It's, it's just difficult. Like yes. it's so easy to say it. Like, and I say it in my online classes. I say, don't worry about the mistakes that we're learning. We're yes. like, I, I say it all the time. Yes. Like you truly, truly hate when something doesn't go right. I do. And I think that, I think for me, it's about valuing failure. I've said that before, but I think it's about because I do like to go that extra bit and realizing that it's through failure that I will get there, that it is the failures that help me. Doesn't help your mood. No, no. This is fresh because you... Yeah, I only had a day like this. Yeah, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, where I had a day where things were just going a bit rubbish, and the other side of that was a massive high. But then I had a breakthrough through the. So this is where I just have to remind myself of this. I have to constantly be reminding myself that failure is. Get rid of the word failure. It's not failure. It's just. It's just art. It's just making art. It's just work. Another tip for your approach to your studio session is, and it's something that I've been doing recently, and that is to have some sessions. You give yourself a time frame to make something. And then at the end of the session, you just call it done. That's it for the day. And you let it be complete, even though it might be a bit imperfect. It's You haven't refined it or polished it, but just put it aside so that you can continue doing work. And what you might find is that later on, either you didn't realize it was done and it is done because so often we overwork things. So this approach is very helpful for that. Or you look at it one day and you realize exactly what it needs. Both of these things happen to me, but I like the momentum of just getting to the end of the day and things being done. It's that whole, it's like when we talked about the done is better than perfect episode that we did a few weeks back and how you asked me about how does this relate to art? And I said that done is almost always better than perfect in art. And it truly is. And to have momentum in your practice, you need to keep moving forwards, keep making more work. And the way that I do that is I sit down and decide, okay, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to work for roughly this amount of time. And as I get to the end of the time, I just wrap it all up and I call it done, put it on the shelf, move on. And in those sessions, when I'm doing that, often I'm not so focused on the final outcome. More what I'm doing is exploring the materials and the techniques. So this is what happened yesterday when I was making the circle paintings and I painted them in the session that day, finished them. Are they perfect? No. Are they complete? For now, yes. Uh, But what I was focusing on was the interaction of different supplies. So I was using the oil paints on top of the inks and the watercolours and and using oil pastels and, and, and focusing more on mastery of the materials than worrying about the, the finished product. As it turns out, I like the finished product. I like what I created. That wasn't my main focus for that particular session. I was looking at I was I was working from the research that I had done about circles because these were circle paintings that I was working on. So I was practicing and honing ideas. Yeah, so repetition is important mm. now. Ooh, repetition. I didn't have that on the list of notes for this podcast, but let's talk a little bit about that. <laughs> I think it's really valuable to create things again and again and make subtle changes. And 
It's how you get good at something. It is. And so I've been doing that with work that I do. I, I make I make similar art and I just tweak and mix it up and it's fascinating. So you don't always need a new idea. In fact, often that new idea can be a distraction sometimes. Take the idea you're working with now yeah. and exhaust it. Yeah, go deeper with it. Yeah. Um, paint more of the same thing. Absolutely. Paint the same thing again and again mm-hmm. and again. You know, do a do hundred paintings yeah. based around the, the same subject. There's just so much. Staying within the same subject is, it feels really fresh and interesting all the time. Yeah. And back to last week's podcast, find a subject that you like, settle down with it, you know. Look at it from all different angles, materials, do your research. Go back and listen to last week's podcast if you need some ideas around how to find your your focus. Yeah, and it will get tough and you'll mm-hmm. fail and you'll want to quit and you'll want to change onto another subject. Even if you do like see something that sparks an idea and you suddenly go, oh, I want to do that. See if you can actually bring that idea back to your original subject matter. Add yeah. it into your subject. Yeah. So bring it back to your focus. Yeah. So there's a few ideas that you can put in place in relation to your studio practice. You do a warm up. Do you do a cool down? Do you have a closing ritual? Like when you're wrapping up or do you just walk out? Sometimes I have to just walk out because... People are screaming for the dinner. That people want dinner or the school bell rings because we can hear the school bell from our house. And I'm like, okay, that means I have to go and pick the kids up from school. (laughs) So it it doesn't always happen the way that I want it. But in an ideal world, on the days when it happens as I like it to, I will sort of finish up with about half an hour before I need to. And that gives me the time to um, put my stuff away, which I do some of the time, but not all the time. Um, but yeah, put my supplies away, wash my brushes. I said that, and do you know what? Sitting in the, in the laundry sink at the moment is a big bucket full of brushes, which is... You're only saying that because of the face I made. I know, and at least it's not on the kitchen bench. It's in the laundry. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's progress. It's progress. <laughs> Hiding your dirty brushes <laughs> is not progress. Right. Um <laughs> But if you've got the time to reflect. To, to, to reflect on the work that you've done, you might want to take some notes or even just put down, put away anything that you've scribbled on and put everything away, clear your space so that when you come back in the next time you've got a good starting place. There's two ways that I go with this. Sometimes I ponder my work after I've finished for the day. So I'll bring the painting into the lounge room I'll stare at it and I'll keep thinking about what I'm going to do next, which can be good. But lately I've been enjoying doing my work, finishing it, like I talked about before, just letting it be finished at the end of the session and actually letting go of it. You finished it. Like it feels good not to be like overanalyzing it. I think I may have gone too far sometimes with the whole staring at my painting business. It gets in the way of me moving on and creating more work. The other thing as well is for me having more boundaries between my studio practice and my personal family life. And if I bring my painting inside, then I'm still thinking about it and then I'm not really, like I haven't separated from my work and stepped into the sort of family space. So lately I've been trying to leave my work in the studio more and and then I think it could be 
it could be helpful to dedicate some time to reflecting on the work, maybe when you've got a bunch of things. So once a week you sit down and I, you, you see me do this, I lay stuff out on the table. So I'll lay out all the things I've created and they can be all sort of odd things. So some things will be paper, some things might be on wood panels and look at them all together yeah. at the end of a week rather than overanalyzing your work every day. So that's what I'm working towards. I'm, I'm working towards finishing my work and having a bit of a letting go of the work for the day, stop thinking about it. And then, and then at the end of the week, looking at what I've created and then having a bit of time to reflect once a week. But as we've said, and it's been a running theme in this whole episode, what you do is up to you. You get to choose the way that you work. So if you like to reflect and do a little journal entry every single day, do that. If you prefer to do that once a week, do that. If you don't want to do it at all, don't. Just keep making up. You get to decide. That's what's so brilliant about it. I hope that you found the episode helpful and that there are some ideas that you can incorporate into your own studio practice. And just remember that your practice is your practice. You get to decide how you do things, what way you approach it. It's up to you. And that is what's so brilliant about living a creative life. We get to create it.